the Man of Steel, the last son of Krypton, or do you have sensibilities that are much darker? Do you go for the cape and the cowl? Do you go for the great detective of Gotham or the cape crusader? There was a recent poll online where the question was asked, whom do you prefer, Batman or Superman? And there was a whopping 84% who answered Batman. Now, as for myself, personally, I'm a Batman fan. I swing for the bat over the boy in blue. And you know what? It's interesting, ever since the 80s, this battle for popularity between Batman and Superman has been going on, and it started in the iconic Frank Miller graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns. But it's not just comic books where we see this battle going on. Philosophers have donned their utilitarian belt of power and have jumped into the fray, as is evidenced by the 2008 book, Batman and Philosophy. The subtitle is The Dark Knight of the Soul. Thank you. Contained within is a chapter titled Why Batman is Better Than Superman. Popularity. It's all around us, isn't it? We see it in our entertainment, as was evidenced a couple Sundays ago with the Oscars. We see it in our athletics, as we just saw with the Winter Olympics. We see it in politics, as we see every time a presidential election comes up. But this battle for popularity isn't just in the pages of comic books or on the internet or in any local middle school uh, hall that you'll find. The battle for popularity is also found today in our gospel reading. And so, uh, so it's to there I'd like you to turn, and I'd like to pull out, ask you to pull out your Bibles in the pews in front of you, and to turn to page 888, we're going to be looking at John 3, and focusing in on verses 25 and 26. And when you get there, I'd like you to join me in reading this together. Page 888, John chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. Let's read. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Rabbi, teacher, that guy, you know that guy? Yeah, that guy that you baptized and you spoke about? Yeah, that guy, he's gathering all kinds of followers. He's baptizing them across the Jordan. And you know what? John, he's not just gathering new followers, but some of our own people are going and leaving and going with him. You know what, John? We got to do something about it. We got to start a marketing campaign. Yeah, you know what? Maybe we make bumper stickers and we slap them on the backsides of camels. Or, or maybe we create billboards and put them up all over Jerusalem. Or, you know what? John, two-for-one coupons. Everyone loves coupons. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Better yet, better yet, a Facebook page. 
And you know what? Maybe we'll garner more likes than him. Did you see it in the text? I thought it was interesting that when they reference and they talk about that guy across the river, the one whom you testified about, they don't even bring up his name. They don't say Jesus. They just reference it as some guy. They knew that John testified about him. And, and it's ironic because John's testimony was this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did they forget? Or did they just not get it? So how does John respond? He responds using a wedding analogy. And he says this, Guys, the promised bridegroom of Israel has come, the one foretold in the prophets. And as I've told you, I am not him, but I have the privilege to be his best man. And how awkward would it be if the best man were to walk down the aisle and seek attention upon himself? No. Rather, my job is to support and serve the groom, is to point others to the groom. That was John's whole ministry, wasn't it? Pointing other people to Jesus. And in fact, it's what led him to write in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Increase and decrease. These words have been ping-ponging in my mind. And as I've been thinking about these words, I've been contemplating this season that we're in, the season of Lent. And there's a popular custom that goes on during the season of Lent where a lot of people give up something for Lent. And, and you see it all over Facebook, right? This person's given up chocolate, and this person's given up fast food, and this person's given up caffeine, and they're hashtagging all over the place about it. Personally, I wish people would give up hashtags for Lent. But that's a whole other story. And you know what? Giving something up for Lent is also called by a different name. It's called fasting. And Jesus talks about the appropriateness of this spiritual activity, and I want to read Jesus' words to you from Matthew 6. And Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, Jesus talks about the appropriateness of fasting, but he warns against doing it in a public manner. And this isn't the only act of piety that Jesus warns against doing in a public manner. Right before this, Jesus also called out people who were showy in their giving of, of 
uh, money to the poor. He also called out people who were being very showy in the way that they prayed. Why is it that Jesus is calling out people in their piety being done in a public manner at the risk of alliteration? It's because of popularity. It's because of the way that people were drawing attention to themselves. It's the way that people were to say, look at me. Look how good of a person I am. Look how my piety gets me in good graces with God. So you could probably already guess it already. But how does these words of Jesus apply to us today in our social-mediated world? Facebooking, tweeting, hashtagging, posting our piety on the World Wide Web for all to see is no better than the hypocrites, the Pharisees, that Jesus called out and accused. Now you might be a person, you might say, you know what, I barely look at my Facebook account. Or you might say, I don't even have Facebook. I don't tweet. And to me, a hashtag is still a pound sign. But you know what I'd say to you? I would say, you know what, take a spiritual inventory of your lives. And see where you do post your piety for all the world to see. And see how maybe it's even done in a very subtle way. You see, when we engage in these self-righteous acts of piety, it's as if we're taking John's words and we're turning them and we're saying this, I must increase, but Jesus, he needs to decrease. The discussion about popularity between John and his followers also involve the topic of baptism. And so it's to baptism we must go. We must flee to the font and to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 6, where he says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, in baptism, we're connected to the cross. And the cross is the place where our self-righteous acts of piety are posted for all the world to see in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in baptism where God takes our old, sinful selves, those self-righteous attention hogs, and he drowns them in those waters. And it's in those same waters where God creates a new creation. You see, it's in the waters of baptism where we decrease. And it's in those same waters of baptism where Christ increases 
in us. There is a public act of piety which we are encouraged to engage in, and that's public confession. Martin Luther actually talked about the connection between baptism and confession when he said that when we daily engage in confession of our sins, it's a daily re-drowning of that old creature, that attention hog. It's a daily decreasing of us so that Christ may increase in our new creation. 